Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, all roads lead to the East Texas Showdown. We are about 30 days away from 210 riders descending upon Point Blank, Texas at the Bullet Grill. And on today's episode, I'm joined by three East Texas Showdown experts. We've got Brendan, Kuya, and Emily here to answer your questions. So what we did is we sent out a questionnaire to everybody who has signed up for this year's race and gave them an opportunity to ask anything that they want. And then I brought in some experts who have done it before and are signed up to do it again this year. And we get them to answer your questions. And I chime in here and there and add my two cents from time to time. I cannot tell you how excited we all are over here at Bikes for Death headquarters. Um, I can tell from all the emails and the messages that we're getting that you are excited too. A lot still needs to happen in the next 30 days, and we are feeling the pressure, but uh, we are not worried. It is going to be a great event, and we are so looking forward to having everybody out to the Bullet Grill in just about 30 days. So today's episode, even if you're not participating in this year's event, I think you might still get some benefit out of it. We are just talking about the East Texas Showdown event, but we are going to be tackling topics like sleep strategies, how to charge your devices, how to deal with dogs, and a lot of other topics that I think are applicable regardless of what route you're doing. Uh, so even if you're not doing the showdown, but love bike packing, I still think that you can get a lot out of this episode. Of course, if you just want to go ride in any of these routes, this is also a great episode to listen to because we are going to be getting, getting into the weeds on some of the routes. So in case you have completely missed it, I'll give you a summary of what the East Texas Showdown is. Uh, this is the third year that we've done it. The first year we had 50 people. Uh, the next year we had 100. And this year we opened it up to 200. And we actually were able to squeeze out about 210 uh, participants for this year. And we have three categories. So we have the showdown, which is 400 miles, and that's a traditional bikepacking race. We have the slowdown, which is 280 miles. And it is still a race, but we kind of, we have some fun awards for that one. Like the Pro Slow Award is our Lantern Rouge, and it is the most honorary position for the slowdown. And then if you go too fast and you're the first one to the Bullet Grill, then you get the Faux Slow Award. So the slowdown is a great middle of the road route that you can kind of take your time on. You can go Pro Slow. Uh, you can stop and smell the roses, you can camp for eight hours, and you can still get back to the Bullet Grill in time for the hoedown. And of course, you can race it too if you want to. So it's kind of uh, a free-for-all there on the slowdown. And this year, we are adding a brand new event, uh, which is the lowdown. And that one is 170 miles. And this one is not a race at all. You are encouraged not to race. We are not going to take your time. And if you go fast, nobody's going to care. Uh, we're really promoting this as a group ride. You can ride it solo. You can ride it with a group. Um, however you want to do it. But it's a 170 miles. And the real appeal of that route 
is one, it's a nice segue into bikepacking. It's a lot more obtainable of a distance for many people, which is great. But we're also going to be hosting a group camp at Ratcliffe Campsite this year. Uh, so me and the Bikes for Death team will be there on Friday night. We're going to have a bonfire and some beverages, and uh, we're going to have a little bike packing party out there in the woods. Uh, so if you're doing the lowdown, that's just something to look forward to. We're going to we're gonna prioritize having fun, having a good time, and enjoying the East Texas woods on your bikes. So that's a brief overview of what the East Texas Showdown event is. And a few stats from this year's event is uh, we've got 75% men signed up and 25% women, which is actually up from 18% last year. Each year, we're seeing more and more women show up, and I hope that is a trend we continue to see. Um, that makes me very happy. And this year, East Texas Showdown has gone international. We didn't just get our first international racer. We have four this year. So we have riders coming in from Mexico, the UK, Iceland, Canada, and Hawaii. Now, I know Hawaii isn't international, but you got to take an eight or nine hour flight to get here. So I'm going to count in anyway. It's crazy. I mean, we got people coming from all over the United States, all over the globe, all descending upon East Texas for this little event. And I couldn't be more excited. And if you are a fan of the podcast, there are going to be 13 past guests there at the East Texas Showdown that are racing and participating in it this year. Um, I won't list them all, but there's going to be 13 stars from previous Bikes or Death episodes that are going to be there. So uh, maybe if you want to get an autograph or something, get, get a selfie with them. Um, that would be cool. Or maybe it would be awkward. I don't know. But they're going to be there, and uh, it's going to be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. I enjoyed this episode. It's always fun to get feedback from people who have participated in it, and it's exciting to hear what they did last year, what they're going to do this year, how it's going to be different, and it's just a whole lot of bike packing goodness. And also, if you are participating in this year's event, any of the three events, please stick around to, to the end of today's episode. It's pretty much mandatory listening. I'm going to get into the weeds with some details about the event this year, but for all of our listeners, I didn't want to put those at the beginning of the episode and uh, bore you out too much. Uh, so we're going to save that for the very end. So if you're participating in this year's event, make sure to stick around to the end for some important East Texas Showdown news. But before we get to today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made it possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. First up is a name that I'm going to struggle with, but here, we're going to give it our best shot. We'd like to thank Mendigus Urbantatus and Julian Milan. Thank you all so much for signing up to be sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. And we had one member increase their pledge this week. So we'd like to thank Corey Eckelberger for increasing his pledge. We sure do appreciate all our patrons. And if you enjoy these episodes and want to help me produce them, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. I also want to tell you about a race that I'm going to be at later this year. 
So Travis Olson, who's the owner of Mountain Rides, would like to invite you to Grusk, which is on July 6th through 9th. The Gravel Up Spruce Knob, or Grusk for short, is a four-day high mountain cycling festival held in the amazing Mongahela National Forest in West Virginia, taking riders up to the summit of Spruce Knob, the highest peak in the mountain state. And I will be traveling there to West Virginia to cover this event and chat with all of you amazing riders and celebrate in your accomplishments. And I am really excited to getting back there. I've actually ridden up Spruce Knob before back in 2018, I believe. It was a pretty epic trip. Uh, Got stranded up on the mountain and I had to uh, bushwhack my way down uh, through private property. It was pretty crazy. I ran out of food and water and cell phone service and everything else. Uh, But I'll probably tell that story later on whenever I Uh, record an episode for that. But I'm looking forward to going back, checking out that area. It truly is beautiful. And the great thing about Grusk is that they give riders of nearly every ability a course that fits the experience that they're looking for. There are a total of six routes for riders to choose from, all the way from a beginner-friendly 25-mile spruce experience, all the way up to their monster 260-mile course, So there really is something for everyone. This is the seventh year for Grusk, and every year they grow it, and it's bigger and better every single year. The high mountain venue for Grusk is the amazing Spruce Knob Mountain Center, perched at over 4,000 feet on Spruce Mountain. Grusk offers camping, meal plans, bunk rooms, live music, a beer garden, and an amazing post-ride dinner. On course, riders will enjoy multiple aid stations with energetic volunteers, mechanic support, the amazing roads of the Mongahela National Forest, and a chance to ride the highest peak in West Virginia. Mountain Rides prides themselves on promoting the incredible riding in West Virginia along with the local mountain communities they pass along the way. They've worked hard to create an incredibly inclusive event, welcoming all riders to experience the beauty of West Virginia's high country and the sense of accomplishment of riding to the state's highest point. We really do hope that you will join us at Grusk this July. And for more details on how to register, you can check the show notes or head over to mountainrides.net. All right, and today's episode is also brought to us by Athletic Greens. I started using them because if you've noticed, food options have become increasingly faster and less healthy. Eating healthy these days can actually be kind of challenging. It can be a little bit expensive. It can be harder to find good and healthy options. And it can be harder to get the nutrients and the veggies that your body needs. So for me, I found that Athletic Greens is a great solution to help manage a healthy diet. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take mine every morning in about 12 ounces of cold water, 
And it's a great way to start the day knowing that I gave my body something really good to get the engine going. Now, to make this easy, and we want to make it easy, if you'd like to try Athletic Greens, they are going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate in daily nutritional insurance. All right, ching, ching, ching. The bills have been paid, and now it is time to get to my episode with Emily, Brendan, and Kuya. One quick note about this episode is that Brendan, uh, he was our Pro Slow Award winner last year, and it was funny because he was the last one to join the Zoom call, and in true Pro Slow fashion, his internet was also running slow. He kept cutting out and freezing up and stuff. And so we're going to patch this bad boy together as good as we can. But if things on Brendan's side get a little wonky, uh, apologize, technology, what are you going to do? But we're just going to power through it, okay? All right. And now, before we get to today's episode, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. Ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right. Well, uh, first off, thanks for y'all all coming on to uh, answer some questions. Um, all these questions were submitted by participants for this year's race. So either the showdown, the slowdown, or the lowdown. Um, and instead of me just answering all the questions, I thought I'd get some help from people who have done it. And all three of y'all are signed up. You've done it before and you're also signed up to do it this year. So, um, I think that y'all are great people to speak to these questions and it takes a lot of pressure off of me. So if y'all get anything wrong, it's not my fault. Fair? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so first off, let's just do introductions. Kuya, let's start with you. Let's do name, where you're located, and what bike are you riding in this year's event? And actually, let's do what event you're doing this year, too. I just thought of that. Let's cover all the bases. All right. Uh, so my name is Kuya Takami. Uh, I'm originally from Japan, but uh, right now I'm located in Austin, Texas for last five years or so. And that's why like I met a lot of people, friends who are doing like, I guess first uh, showdown event. And then I heard all the good things. So I decided to try it out last year, first time. Uh, and it was also my first time ever bikepacking event uh, in my cycling. And I come from road racing uh, background. And so last year I tried uh, showdown and then this year i'm doing showdown as well and my bike of choice uh i'm changing up uh 
this year I'm riding actual gravel bike from Bolt Cutter. Uh, it's called High Country. Uh, but yeah, so that's me, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, Emily. So I'm Emily Miller. I'm originally from Philadelphia, but I live in Houston, Texas now. So I'm the closest that we have to a local on this podcast. I'm super lucky to get to ride in the Sam Houston Forest pretty regularly. Uh, I've lived here for about a year and a half, and I came from mountain biking, I guess. That's sort of the first serious cycling I get into. So like 30 miles is a really long distance on a mountain bike. So 280 was super scary. Um, I did the slowdown last year, but kind of treated it as a fun, not race. So did it with a couple friends, slept a fair bit. Um, and this year I'm signed up to do the slowdown and I have no intention of sleeping, which is super scary. Um, mm -hmm. I'm riding a Trek checkpoint. It's the same bike that I rode last year. Uh, but last year I had just gotten it two weeks before the race because I broke my other gravel bike. So this year I have a lot more time and saddle miles on that bike. So I'm I still still the one that I love, but uh, hopefully it will be not so new to me. Sweet, nice. All right, Brennan. Um, Brennan Heron. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, but I now reside in Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, last year I did the slowdown, and I thought I was ready for it, but I was pro slow, so <laughs> it took me a little longer than I had hoped. Um, this year I'm doing the this year. Um, <laughs> if i finish two hours ahead of where i finished last year i'm i'm stoked all right i'm and i'm much better trained this year uh i'm doing it on my brand new ready labs flanimal which is an amazing bike uh last year i rode my uh, salsa deadwood with 2.6s on it and it was a steamroller it was so slow i mean obviously it was very slow so <laughs> <laughs> right i will on. be back for the after party i promise good good yeah you can't miss it this year nope. uh we mostly got most of that brennan we're gonna let that slide okay. i think your internet's starting to do better i think it's i okay. think your internet is warming up <laughs> there we go awesome <laughs> <laughs> um, so we kind of covered some of this, but, uh, Kuya, we'll start with you first again, and then we'll switch to Emily for the next one. But what event did you do last year? If you placed, what was your placement or, or whatever? Um, which one are you doing this year and what, what differently are you going to do this year? Oh, what differently? It's like a lot of list of things I'm going to do differently. Uh, so last year I did uh, Showdown, and this year I'm doing Showdown again, but there's a route change. So uh, last year was, what, 380-something, right? And it was 380, yeah. Yeah, 380, and I finished within 23 hours and 54 or 6, or so very close to 24-hour mark, but it was little shy of one day uh, and this year it's going to be 410 15 uh 400 even yeah okay 400 even so maybe i push very hard i can still go within 24 but that would be very difficult challenge but you know since the route it's changed i guess gotta try the best <laughs> yeah yeah kuya i'm really interested to see what you're gonna do um and what you're, I'm, I'm curious what you're going to change because like the time you threw up was a time that was on nobody's radar. No one thought it was possible. Mm -hmm. And you just indicated that you're going to be changing a lot. 
Yeah. Which seems crazy considering you did so well. You might just keep it going. So what what are you changing this year? So last year I carried like emergency BB just in case I had to sleep. But this year I just not gonna carry anything to sleep. So like no emergency BB, no nothing. And also like ditching saddlebag and I'm going full like a uh, full frame uh frame bag. Uh, and which uh, I guess you know uh, South City Stitchworks, uh, Zach. Uh, we're working together to come up with like a better, best kind of like setup for bike packing, uh, racing packs. Uh, so uh, that will be like set up, and hopefully that would avoid some of like you know weight shifting in the saddle bag, especially I'm very small. I'm like five six, uh, so any weight we can like put it in center of gravity it helps for me and also the biggest change probably is aero bars <laughs> yeah 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 you're a wild man for not using aero bars let's uh we talked about this kuya and i did an uh, episode with uh, dennis after last year's east texas showdown um so i know the answer but are you willing to share uh again like how were you able to do it so fast i mean it really came down to carrying all your food and only stopping for water i think Right. So I think on my uh, Wahoo, it said my stopping time was like 36 or 37 minutes of total time, uh, which I carried all the food. So like four pounds of rice cakes. And the only stops I did was getting gallon water or just refilling my bottles. Uh, I had a hydration pack, so I could carry always about maybe three liters of water. Uh, I'll be carrying actually one extra liter of water this year to get that little bit more miles uh, without stoppage. Uh, so that's something I can also do differently. And I don't know, but within like one hour of stoppage for 400 miles is, I think it's good, like gold to have if you're going faster. <laughs> <laughs> you're blowing our minds, dude. You're blowing our minds. Did you uh, poop last year? No, I stopped yeah. for pee for like maybe three, four times, I guess. But, yeah. you know, you're sweating so much, like you don't really like pee even. So That's insane. Especially at man. night, you don't also sweat that much <laughs> as well. So, All right, so anyone shine, sign up for the showdown, um, y'all better watch out for Kuya. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, one interesting thing, I think like last 180 miles, I think I only drink that full liter of water because it was at night and all the gas station was closed. I actually stopped by all the gas stations after nine. And I like, every time I was like, okay, it's closed. It's closed. It's closed. So, uh, you know, last bit was kind of a struggle, but yeah. Uh-huh. I'll plan well, that's another- on that one. Yeah. That's another tip. Yeah, that was smart. Carry an extra bottle of water. And um, yeah, you have to be mindful of when some of those uh, resupplies close, you know, so. Right. All right, Emily. Yeah, so I did the slowdown last year. Um, contrary to Kuya, I so I didn't place, I don't know, I think there were like 10 women that did it and I was sixth or seventh or somewhere near the bottom. Um, it took me about 52 hours and 26 of those hours were not riding. Um, so we were super chill. We like slept 10 hours on Saturday night and picked up a six pack of beer and chips and guac and hung out at the campsite and had a fantastic time. Um, I had never ridden a hundred miles before doing the slowdown last year. So I was like, just my only goal was to finish and like be able to walk on Monday pretty much. Uh, which I did, I was actually like kind of fine. 
Um, so I got a little more ambitious this year and I want to do it kind of all in one go. I think my stopping time will still be way more than Kuya's. Um, like, I don't know how you can ride 380 miles and not poop and eat four pounds of rice cakes. That doesn't seem real. Um, I also like, I struggle so much with eating bike food, quote unquote, like I need real food. Um, I think there's like a clip of me out there somewhere talking about gas station fried chicken sandwiches. Like that's still going to be a big staple of my slowdown experience this year. Um, so I want to ride, like my goal is to ride fast. My goal is to ride without stopping, but I'm pretty sure it's still going to be like a 30 hour experience. Um, which wow. if I could do it in under that would be super awesome, but that's Absolutely. probably ambitious. That's shaving 16 or more hours off your time, right? Um, well, my writing time last year was 26 hours. So yeah, but your total time was so what? 56 or 52. Yeah. No, 52. it's like, a, yeah. Saving 22 hours off, but you know, not having parties in the Radcliffe uh, campground helps. Emily, I think you're doing it right. When I designed the race, I actually designed it around the slowdown. Like the slowdown, I was like, if I was to design a route and a race that I would want to do, it's the slowdown because you can take it slow. You can eat, you can grab some beers, you can hang out with your friends, and you can still make it back in time for the party at the end, you know? So, like, it's something appealing to me. And then if you want to push it, you can, but you don't have to. You can just take your time. So I like it. All right, Brandon, what about you? All right. So last year I did the slowdown. Um, I, I placed last out of everybody. So um, that was an awesome, that was awesome. When I pulled back into the Bullet Grill house, uh, thank you guys for being there. That was sweet. Um, this year I'm doing the showdown. I've pretty much changed. I mean, last year was my first bike packing race. It was my first bike packing trip more than, you know, 20 miles. Um, so it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty big endeavor. Um, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't plan for it. I didn't train for it. I just kind of showed up and had a ton of fun. Um, this year I have cheat sheets. I have times of gas stations closing. I'm training, um, like I said earlier, I cut back way back on, you know, how much I consume in alcohol. I changed my diet around. So I've got a really pretty good plan. And if I can finish two hours faster, if I can finish the showdown two hours faster than I finished the slowdown last year, um, that's a win in my book for me. So that's my goal. That's really cool. And I just want to touch on for anyone who isn't familiar the slowdown, we have different awards than just first, second, and third. Um, we have the faux slow, which is the fake slowest or the fastest person. But really, the place of honor is pro slow, which you were. And you came into the bullet grill with a Modelo in hand. And uh, it was it was one of the highlights of the whole event, I think, for everybody who was there, you know. So um, you showed us exactly how to do pro slow the right way. And I think it's cool, man. I think it's super cool that this event allows people an opportunity to push themselves. You know, Emily and, and Brendan, you both kind of, you know, it, it, not to say it was easy, but, you know, like you're like, all right, let's just go see what this is about. And then next year, now this year, you're both stepping up significantly, which is, I think, just amazing. I'm really excited to see what y'all are going to do. Um, this is an interesting question. Uh 
that I might as well throw out there because uh, it helps my marketing. <laughs> but how did you hear about the event? How did you hear about East Texas Showdown or Slowdown or Lowdown? Emily? Yeah, so I, I, being the local to Houston, know a whole bunch of people who competed in the very first edition, which was the, I don't know if you have a name for it, but like totally swamp fest destroy your bike version of the slowdown or showdown, which was, I think, like a fall race originally. Um, so a bunch of the folks over at Edo Bike Co. did it, uh, broke their bikes, and Alex Maldonado, who finished first that year, um, has become a friend. So he's actually the one who sort of uh, first I heard about it through, and then a couple of uh, women who I ride with pretty regularly had told me they were signed up um, and sort of said, hey, this seems like it might be up your alley of Type 2 Fun. Do you want to come join? Uh, and so I did. And actually, you you mentioned that I sort of got into it without knowing what I was doing. I literally came in off the wait list at two weeks before the event, uh, having done zero training whatsoever. So <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have gotten more casual uh, in how I got into it. But yeah, I heard about it just through local Houston folks. Yeah. But that's awesome though. That it's doable, you know. I mean, you can you can come in after two weeks with no training and it's it's obtainable. It's not gonna be easy, but you can do it, right? Maybe don't recommend it, but it's I was it's gonna say I, like baseline level of bike fitness required, I would say. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You can't come off your couch. Correct. Good. This is not a couch to slow down methodology. Yeah. No, good good uh interjection there. I appreciate it. Maybe not interjection, what's a better word? good tip um all right brennan uh so my wife and i were driving to ohio to visit family and i think it was right after you interviewed scotty after she won the high country um and we were just googling you know podcasts to listen to and we picked up bikes or death and i think we you know it's like a 10 and a half hour drive to ohio and i think we listened to bikes or death all the way there and all the way back and you just started talking. It was, I think it was also right after the first edition had finished and you were talking about planning for last year's spring event. Uh, sorry guys. So, sorry. My computer's so you, being fritzy. No, man, it's okay. This is, this is par for the course doing these internet ones. It's just part of the deal. So you were yeah. saying, uh, that I was talking about, I was starting to talk about the, the spring event, the East Texas showdown. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, Oh my God, that sounds like an awesome time. Um, uh, I'd been through that part of Texas before and I was like, man, that's going to be beautiful. So I had to get down on this. Um, and when you opened up registration, I was like, I'm doing it. Let's go. That's really cool. Um, all right. Kuya. I guess, uh, where I heard about this was all from Austin cyclist. Uh, a lot of my friends did it. Uh, so Alicia, Hannah, and also Kyle. Uh, I heard all the story about crazy bike event, and I saw some of the pictures and just looked like a lot of like hard riding. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should try something different from road cycling. Uh, and I was getting into like uh, cyclocross a little bit, so I was like, yeah, why not? Like even a little bit more different. Uh, and I think like last year, was it like one third or something crazy amount of people from Austin attended yeah, uh, showdown event? I think event. that's right. Yeah. It was like yeah, 30% so, was all from Austin. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a hype all about <laughs> this event. You know, it's like drivable distance from Austin, about like maybe three hours or so. And event was so accessible and people knew it was so beautiful. And I guess we're going to talk about how 
we felt like writing through the course and stuff later. But yeah, so that's I heard all the good, great stories. So I was yeah. like, oh, gotta check it out. So that's how I signed up. Yeah, I gotta. I freaking love the Austin people. I love all the people. Houston people are cool too. Uh, but like Austin did, did represent like thirty or thirty three percent of everybody there, and just great energy. You know, I appreciate the vibe that everybody, everyone, really brings. Um, it's always exciting to see everybody get together. What do we got next? So actually, Kuya, you are right on the notes. The next question is: How would you describe the course? or the route or whatever, the area to somebody who's never done it before. Um, Brennan, you're up. Um, other than being spectacularly beautiful, uh, I would say it's probably 70, 30 gravel to pavement. Um, at least this is from slow down last year. Um, it was a great mix. Um, I mean, the roads, the gravel isn't like it is up here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, it's more dirt, which is awesome because it's super chunky up here. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I think that kind of nails it for me. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll agree. Like super beautiful. Also, like your sense get like. I guess like. Very. I guess if you're writing, you can only focus on like a vision and smells, and maybe you might be listening to music. But a lot of like, it's very quiet. Like, but then you can smell all the pine trees, flowers. So it's like it's not just like a view is beautiful. Like it's all like the other kind of sense. Uh, is, I guess, very like I don't know, exciting. I guess like through the course. I mean, even though you're riding similar road all the time, and as yeah, Brendan like mentioned probably like 60 40 or 70 30 gravel but once you're on gravel for so long like road segment <laughs> it was very short <laughs> because once you're on it it's very smooth and like nice and rolly uh, <laughs> but enough gravel i would say but it's hard packed and only like sandy segment around like what mile 100 or 120 there's like a little bit deep sand uh but other than that i think it's very nice and quiet and especially riding at night, uh, there's pretty much no lights. And I think last year when we rode, also there wasn't like moon, I don't think it was like, so it was like pitch dark and uh, yeah, very nice, like calm environment. It's kind of meditation. Like, I guess it's kind of like, what do you call it? Like walking meditation. It's like cycling meditation <laughs> for yeah. many, many hours. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. All right, Emily. Yeah, I, I think the guys captured it. It has a little bit of everything. I mean, I like I said, I get to ride this area, at least the southern part of the course, but even kind of the northern half of the course is like not too far from us. And it's got, you know, shady, piney sections. It's got exposed, hot, sandy sections. It's got like super lovely, quiet gravel roads. It's got shoulder of a state highway. It's got kind of everything that you like would want to see in East Texas. I think if you've done the course, you can pretty confidently say that you know what East Texas looks like, um, which is which is really great. Yeah. One of my uh, a primary goal for me is to create a route that, I mean, yeah, of course, beautiful and, and gets you off the beaten road. And, but like safety is a really, you got to take into account like safety and then also like resupplies and camping and all that stuff. 
I'm curious, uh, did y'all, do y'all feel like the route is, is safe? Like a lot of y'all are describing it as like relaxing, meditative and all this stuff. Do y'all, did y'all feel like it's, it's relatively safe and, uh, yeah, safe. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll, I'll speak from the perspective of having ridden a lot in the, like this general area and like, yeah, the only, I would say like the worst part of it on the slowdown route, um, is that bridge over Lake Livingston. Um, it's just exposed and like I was doing it when it was hot and it was fairly miserable to be honest. It's just like a narrow shoulder of a, of a bridge. You're like between cars and guardrails. They have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to go, but it's like less than a mile. And you know, there's, there's some things that are totally unavoidable, I think, but, uh, I would say like for, for finding 280 miles of roads out in Texas, I, I felt very safe on it compared to a lot of the other places I ride. Anybody else have any thoughts? You don't have to just, uh, I would say it's, I would say it's a similar, like on the bridge, but then like, like, because there's like so much debris and like wood chunks on the side, you have to kind of ride on the road, but also it depends on like what time of the day go, you go through. Like, I think I was going through like, I don't know, sunrise, maybe like five or 6 AM or something like that. So there weren't much cars. So for me, it was okay and safe so i think like yeah like depends on like what time of the day you go through certain sections you might feel like more i guess like not as safe i guess but overall i think great like i mean if there's like near highway there's like a side shoulder and everything so yeah i would say like 95 percent or more safe <laughs> not much cards. yeah <laughs> Yeah, you also mentioned resupplies on my cheat sheet. I think the longest distance between resupplies that I have marked off is 28 miles. So, I, I mean, there's there's awesome resupplies the entire route. I mean, you planned it super, super good, you know, for, for resupplying. So, Brandon, just to make sure you know that we're riding it backwards this year, right? I do. Yes, I do. Okay. I, I did see that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just making sure. So one, oh, man, one all my one, notes are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, yeah, as we're talking, I was just like making sure that we're all on the same page, but one reason yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did that. And it's something that uh, a couple of y'all brought up is that bridge in Livingston. And so this year, everybody's going to be going over that bridge essentially at the same time, which I think creates more exposure and safety, like safety in numbers type situation. And I haven't locked this down yet, but I'm in contact with a guy. Um, I don't remember his title, but he, we're trying to get like an escort or of some flaggers out there for, you know, an hour window to like get everybody through safely. Um, so yeah, that's definitely some feedback that we got and uh, made some changes to try to make that that one section in particular safer. And then actually one of the route changes that um, from a safety perspective was going into um, Jacksonville on the showdown route. I've changed that this year. It'll be reversed, but I've changed it to where um, you're not taking that that busy road, um, that busy highway up there um, for very long. So um, I think it'll even be 
better uh, this this coming year. And that's the other reason I switched it is because I wanted everybody to see the Davy Crockett National Forest in daytime because uh, it really is like the crown jewel, I think, of of any route that you do. And it, I, I didn't realize it before, but I'm like, man, you're kind of like, depending on when you're finishing, you might not see that. But if we do it in reverse, most people are going to get into and get to see a good portion of of the that Davy Crockett National Forest, which is just, it's a must see during the day, I think. So um, I think I think doing a reverse is going to be better, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. So we are, today we're 33 days away from the race. Uh, let's talk about how you're training uh, going into it. Kuya, I think you're up. Sure. Uh, so I do uh, road racing normally. So I do train for road racing uh, kind of throughout the year. Uh, and then last year, I tried the uh, Arkansas High Country, which was a 1,000-mile uh, backpacking. It took me like over five days, and it's kind of destroyed my body. <laughs> and I took uh, kind of like three months off, uh, almost completely off the bike uh, because of work and travel and some other interesting things I wanted to do. And so I'm kind of just getting back on bike, and I had two weeks of riding uh just get miles in and get fitness back i gained almost like 18 to 20 pounds through over the winter and i'm normally like 135 pounds so that's like new can gain <laughs> and uh, uh i'm feeling uh better but i think like yeah i should be in fit like i would say in three weeks or so hopefully for the showdown and i'm just riding a lot of uh group rides here in austin because there's like hundreds of them uh, and yeah i'm clocking over 20 hours for the last two weeks and i will probably go down to maybe 10 15 uh but yeah that's how i'm training but mainly for road racing i'm training and uh just getting hours on the bike to be comfortable it worked last year <laughs> we'll see <laughs> <laughs> all right emily um so i have like ne i've never really trained for an event like in probably the sense that you're supposed to or like with any sort of structured plan um but i ride my damn bike a lot um so lately what that looks like is like last weekend i think there were only four hours that i was awake and not riding my bike and that's because i was driving from a bike ride to another bike ride um, so I've been trying to ride, I've, I've been doing a lot of like long morning road rides and then taking my gravel bike and hitting some gravel miles and some single track, um, which is partially because single track is fun and partially because I'm training, I guess, training for some other events that have single track in them. But just like, I'm not concerned, I guess, anymore about like speed or trying to be super fast. It's just mostly about like putting as many hours of my body <laughs> on the bike as I can get. Um, and just knowing, and, and then giving myself plenty of time to recover that from that. Cause like a weekend that looks like that is, you know, pretty tough on the body and, and getting lots of rest in between like big, big, big weekends like that. So Emily, you're planning to do it with little to no sleep, uh, this year. Uh, is there any way that are, are you doing anything to like train for that specifically? Have you done anything that would, you know, help prepare you kind of mentally for that or what's your yeah. plan there? Yeah, so actually, I haven't done it yet, but next weekend, uh, a couple of ladies and I are going to ride the lowdown route, um, and we're starting at like seven or eight o'clock at night, 
uh, partially because one of us works on Saturdays uh, and partially because we really want to do the night riding. So I, I've never ridden overnight all night and I don't think any of them will have either. So we really wanted just to understand how that was going to feel mentally and physically and do our lights last long enough and all these kinds of things that you won't find out until you go do it. I love, love, love that. That is so cool. And that's exactly, uh, that's how to do it, man. Like get off work, do an entire day and, uh, ride through the night and, and test your gear and yeah, test your mind and your body and everything. So I think that's wonderful. I love that, Emily. Uh, Brendan, what do you got? So, um, I'm actually on a training plan this year. Um, that doesn't involve going to new Orleans two weeks before the, uh, the event, um, and eating and drinking all the things. So, uh, (laughs) I have coaches for the first time in my life, which is really nice. Um, also the high school that I work at, we have a gravel team and I've been riding a ton with them. Um, uh, which keeps you honest because kids can humble you very quickly. Um, but, uh, so just putting in a ton of miles, um, consistent miles and training smart, not just going out and riding, you know, as hard as I can. Um, Kuya, I've lost about 33 pounds. So you probably gained mine. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, his like starts good and then it just stops. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so you cut off, you were saying, I think, was he saying Kuya that yeah. you lost, you, yeah. know, you gained I, his, uh, you gave pounds. All the pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm down about 33 pounds, um, since this time last year, which is awesome, um, yeah. for me. So yeah, feeling great. Congrats, man. I just, Thanks. uh, I just clocked 20, 20 pounds down from last year so. I'm, I'm actually, I don't know if y'all know, but I'm, I'm supposed to be doing an ITT on the showdown in like two or three weeks. Um, but I just got a concussion like last week and I'm just getting over it. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do, I might switch it up and do the slowdown. Um, but I'm looking forward to, uh, having 20 less pounds to carry around on my bike. Uh, I think it'll probably help. Are any of y'all doing off the bike training? Any, uh, any workouts, any weight training, anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm back in the gym after a year hiatus. So in 2021, I was in the gym a lot because I was training for a mountaineering trip. Um, and then when I got back from that in January, I was like, oh, thank God, I never have to use a weight room again. Uh, and then after a year of really just riding my bike effectively, I realized that I can ride my bike forever. And I partially because I live in Houston and we have zero hills, like can't climb a hill to save my life anymore. Um, So sort of decided, well, like I don't want to live in Houston forever and I don't want to suffer when I go do races that are not in Houston. So I'm back in the gym a couple of times a week, mostly legs, mostly lifting heavy stuff with them. Anyone else? Just Uh, right now, I'm not doing much, but uh, I was like really avid rock climber before cycling, and I actually gonna reactivate probably my membership soon (laughs) just for the side, but something different than pedaling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think I really got into cross training. I and I agree with you, Emily. Like, it's it's difficult to train i think in texas especially if you're going to other parts to either just to ride or to race i mean you get there and you're like i'm not prepared for this and so i think that cross training really really helps it has for me i feel like um 
I skipped this question. I was going to ask it uh, just a minute ago when we were talking about our description of the course. One uh, one segment, the Sandy segment that that was brought mm-hmm. up um, last year was around I think one mile one fifteen somewhere around there. Um, this year, depending on the route you're doing, it's going to be later on in the race. But there is an option to navigate around that se- Sandy section that I'm actually when I do my ITT, I'm going to go ride it for the first time. I don't know; it could be Sandy, but it goes around that that road essentially, and so I'm going to go scout it out. But what are y'all's thoughts on should the Sandy section remain? Because we're talking about type two fun and it shouldn't necessarily be easy. Um, And it's kind of fun to hear people whine about it. Or should we take it out and be like, hey, man, it's already hard enough, you know, because I go back and forth and I have different opinions on this. So uh, I don't know who wants to Kuya go first on this one and then we'll go around. Keep keep the Sandy section or go around it. What do you vote? Uh, I like. Sandy section. I guess like I do also like cyclocross. It's kind of like, you know, can I get through it or not? Kind of like adventure. And also like, you know, here riding enough, you're going to encounter some Sandy section. So it keeps it like more interesting, I think, overall course. And it's not that long. It's uh, less than like what, half mile? Like I think it's maybe quarter mile. I don't know. I don't remember being that long. So I think it's kind of fun to keep it. Unless, right. you know, it's like red and muddy and that's so hard to go through. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Is because like the first yeah. year we did it, it was raining yeah. and, and it was terrible, right? Yeah. And so it really does depend. Yeah. And I can't control but, the weather, yeah. right? So like it's 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 going to be slow going one way. It could be sandy. It could be muddy. I mean, yeah. just Especially course that's, you know, now flipped. It's going to be like a lot of people might be going through it at night. That would be also challenging. Yeah. Emily, what do you think? I was going to say it's very easy to say keep it when you weigh 135 pounds and don't carry anything on your bike. <laughs> <laughs> for those of us who do not or who bike back last year with entire full setups, uh, I, I pushed my bike through most of that sand. Um, I couldn't ride it. I'm personally curious to see if I can ride it this year because I will have way less weight on the bike uh, and I'm running wider tires. I rode 42s last year and I'll be riding 45s this year. Um, I guess I would say, like, for me, it adds to the, I think if you take out the sandy sections and it all becomes writable, then it's like just a test of speed and endurance. Whereas like when there's something a little technical, then you have to think about tire selection and trade-offs on road speed versus being able to ride the sand. And like, it's not really long enough that it probably makes any difference in anyone's final result. But I do think it like adds a little bit more of the ethos that you're probably going for in designing the race. Yeah. I agree, Emily. I Yeah. All right, let's get what Brandon has to say first, and then I'll weigh in. Keep, keep it, keep it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's uh, I agree with Kuya. It's really, it really is not that long of a section. Um, I ran two points last year and like twenty two psi, so I floated through it. Um, but I say keep it. Okay. All right, we're keeping it. I'm deciding right now. I literally just made that decision right now. Uh, that's what we're going to do, man. I, I agree with what Emily said, man. This is the ethos of the event. I remember when I found that road, eventually I was excited about it 
um, because it is different. It adds a different dynamic. It adds a challenge um, that everybody has to deal with. It's not like you're the only person dealing with it. We all have to face the same conditions. And it's not that long. Like that entire road is 10 miles long, but the sandy bits that you have to walk, I mean, it might be a mile, like worst case scenario. You know, we're not talking about miles and miles of walking. Um, so I feel good about, I feel good about keeping it. If anybody was wondering, oh, we're everybody this. can talk all about it after the race. That's all. I know. <laughs> it gives us something. To keep it, right? Well, that's like the thing that's like made me question myself is because there's so much chatter about it. But at the same time, the people, the fact that people are talking about it is probably a good thing, right? We're gonna keep it. All right, let's move on. What do we got? Uh, Sandy section. We're gonna leave it. Check that off. Um, who are we starting with? I think, it's I, think me. We'll go with, I think we'll go with Emily. Tricks for being more comfortable and avoiding injury um, on long distance rides like this. You got any tricks? Oh, this is really a good Kuya question. But I will just say that I, I, I mentioned that I got this bike that I rode it on last year, two weeks before, and I was like, oh God, I, this, is a, this is a recipe for injury for sure. Um, so I did go and get a professional fit, which I had never done in my life. And I was like, this is an absurd amount of money and I'm very grumpy. Um, but like, I will say all's well, that ends well. I didn't like nothing really was uh, no injuries, obviously lots of like minor discomforts. Um, I had never used chamois butter prior to the slowdown in my life. I was gifted a cream of diaper, a tube of diaper cream by a very kind fellow rider on the on the ride. Uh, and I'm now a bit of a convert, especially for super long rides. So I would say those two things, make sure your bike is set up to fit you and treat your butt nice. Did you go to uh was it Thad or Tad bike fitting in Houston? I did not go to him, but I know I've heard of him in Houston. I went to Cynthia, who's the only woman uh, who does bike fits in the city. So I thought that would be nice. And you, uh, can you speak real quick about your personal, like, um, like how much of a difference did you notice versus the same bike that was fit versus non-fit? Was it a substantial difference or? It's hard for me to say, cause I owned it so briefly before I will say that we made like the changes that we made were not, they didn't seem dramatic at the time, but I think it's really a case of like centimeters mattering. Um, like, especially in, in things like reach, I personally like Emma, I'm five, four and I'm like more legs than torso. So any bike off the shelf is going to be, have a reach that's too long for me by default. Um, and that's sort of a recipe for like upper back and shoulder pain. And like, you know, if your hand, if you're putting a lot of weight on your arms because of that, like hand numbness. So there's a lot that could go wrong. I think like that I have experienced on, on just bikes in general that I know aren't particularly well set up for me. Um, so I, I can't say like definitively that this bike fit saved my life, but I think I would think that there is value in it for sure. Yeah. All right, Brennan. Is he even there? He probably left. <laughs> All right, Kuya, let's go with you and see if Brennan shows up. <laughs> okay. More comfortable on the bike. Actually, like, so I guess as you may know, like uh, cyclist palsy, like the last two the fingers, so pinky and ring finger get numb during cycling. And I got that from showdown last year. Uh, which lasted maybe only four days or so to recover. And, but then like Arkansas high country, 
I'm like five months after and I still have like tingliness in like my two fingers for both hands. Uh, so definitely like I changed like, I mean, Alcazar High Country, I didn't wear like high pad, highly padded glove, which was a mistake. So uh, definitely like good gloves or like, you know, some people do like double tape, taped like handlebars. I mean, obviously showdown course is not that bumpy, uh, so I'm not too worried about it, but definitely like uh, good also gloves helps uh, avoiding those like, yeah, cyclist policy numbness in your hands. Also cyclist, like cycling fit, I guess that would help too. Uh, did you so, run your arrow bars on the high country? Yes, I did. Yeah. Did you notice a pretty significant, uh, I mean, obviously it's 380 yeah. versus a thousand miles. So, I mean, you're going to have pain right. any way you do it, but did you notice a pretty good improvement overall uh, with that? Yeah, you can change your positions a lot, but at the same time, like uh, the course is very bumpy and like downhill, uphill everywhere in Arkansas, which I had to be on the drops. And then I think that really caused like the, I guess, damage in my nerves. So I mean, you know, bathing, like, you know, treating it nicely, nursing it. <laughs> I'll see, you know, try not to get worse, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing about my route is you can stay in the arrow bar position for a really long time if right. you want to. Um, not yeah. too much is going to knock you out of out of those other than breaking. Uh, right. But other than that, you can pretty much live in those drops. Um, Brendan, are you back? Yeah, I think I'm back now. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, I also um, pinky and ring finger um, numbness for a really long time after a slowdown last year. Um, so this year I'm going with arrow bars um, and then a redshift stem um, to uh, take a little shock absorption um, to help out in the in the handlebars. So uh, I think that'll help a lot this year. Emily, we didn't ask you, uh, or I guess it wasn't one of the questions, but are you running arrow bars? I never have, and so I wasn't planning on it, but you guys might be uh, talking. I've always bike packed, and so it's a lot harder to run it when you have like full handlebar bag setups. There's, I have a really small cockpit. There's not a lot of space, but I guess if I have an opportunity to try them out in the next month, maybe I'll be talked into it. Seems to be the cool, cool thing to do. <laughs> I just, the reason I run them is solely for hand pain. I, it's something I always suffer from. And so just being able to switch the positions alleviates, if you're in the arrow bars too long for me, my shoulders are really going to start to burn. And so then you can sit up and your hands hurt and you switch it around. Um, that, that's why I like them. And uh, we've seen, did I, so follow up question then, Emily, did you, um, experience much hand pain last year? No, I've never really, I mean, I, I know kind of the tingle you guys are talking about, but I've never really had like significant, you know, numbness or pain in my hands, much more likely to get it in my like upper shoulder, upper back and shoulders. Um, so not sure that arrow bars would be the way to go. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Everybody has different. I always say like, everybody's going to hurt. It's just a matter of what's going to hurt. And so we're all built a little bit differently, but you might not need them. Might be a little bit less weight that you have to put on your bike. All right, Brendan, you're up. Are you still with us? Yes, sir. All right. So the next one is sleep. The do's and don'ts of sleeping. Kuya can't even answer this question. So Kuya's <laughs> just like, don't do it. <laughs> what do you got, Brendan? Um, so I was a hammock camper um, for the longest time. 
and I am, I am, A, I'm going to try and push all the way through the first night um, and as deep into the second day as possible. Um, but I've switched to a air pad on the ground and like a emergency bivy. Um, it's, I think it's changed the way that I sleep. Um, when I'm, when I'm out bikepacking now, cause I can just never get comfortable in a hammock. Um, Patrick, I know you like the hammock, but I just, I don't know. I always end up like balled up in the bottom of it and don't sleep very well. Kuya. Any, how about this question for you, Kuya? What are your tips for not sleeping? How do you stay awake for 24 hours at a time? Uh, I think, I think like, I don't know. Everybody can probably stay up like, like at least like overnight, like just one night. Uh, I think you can push maybe up to 30 hours without sleeping. Uh, I didn't like, I mean, since you're like moving all the time, especially at night, it's get kind of chilly. Uh, so as you're not like, you know, overheated or it's pretty comfortable riding through the night actually for this race during spring. Um, other than that, I, yeah, I guess I only got really sleepy like one point, like I was like on double track and then I was on one side and then like, I kind of like like one second later, I was like on the, on the other side of the, the other track. <laughs> so, uh, but it's only one incident I had. It's, yeah, could be, you, you know, wrong side, but I was on the right side, I guess. Were you, uh, did you use caffeine at all or? or uh, I had the uh, gel with caffeine, uh, which I was taking probably like one every two hours or so. Okay. So uh, pretty minimal. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Emily? Yeah, I have awesome advice for lowdown riders, I guess. Um, but actually anyone who just wants to get good sleep. I'm a, for sure a tent camper. I had last year a tent and a mattress and a sleeping bag and everything. Um, I think got a little bit of like rain overnight. It wasn't anything dramatic, but I do know some of my hammock friends got a little bit wet. Um, and I was perfectly dry. Um, I would say like do's and don'ts. So we did pre-book campsites, um, which was very helpful just because it's like one less thing to be, to have stress about while you're riding. Like we just sort of said, okay, that means we have to get to this place. And when we get to this place, like no drama, we just go, uh, and sleep. I would say that, um, like if you think you want to sleep, be prepared to sleep. I had some friends who thought they weren't going to sleep and then ended up trying to sleep in bathrooms with the lights on all night and stuff like that it's it's really tough to to do good quality riding on like that kind of sleep so if you're not prepared to be up all night probably bring something comfy yeah for sure what are you going to do this year for sleep since you're try not to but i'm going to bring an emergency bivy with a pillow and a liner i'm still trying to decide if i'm going to bring an air mattress or not um we'll see yeah, please do. do you bring the air mattress or <laughs> Or like, no, like, yeah, like a pad, right? Like sleeping pad. Yeah, yeah, I'm sleeping pad. Yeah, yeah. but I, I guess I have also, yeah, tips for those. Like, so using emergency BB, just don't put the BB over your head because with the respiration, everything gets wet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it's, it's, as long as it's not multi-day, it's fine. It's just get a little bit heavy uh, in the morning. Uh, you but, just put it in a trash can and move on with your life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ditch that you don't need it anymore yeah 
Yeah. What else? Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I, I'm hoping to test out some caffeination strategies next weekend. So we'll see. I don't do goos or gels very well. So I got to find uh, if it just becomes a thing of cu- chug a can of Coke every two hours or, or what we're going to do. But those are kind of heavy to carry around. I've never done this before, but I just ordered some uh, 200 milligram caffeine pills off Amazon like yesterday for my ITT. Uh, I'm with you. I don't like the goos and the bars and stuff a whole lot. I, I tend to rely on whatever is available on the route, like a burger or pizza or like just something, some like real food. And uh, I love my coffee, but if if you're riding, you don't have time for a nice cup of Joe. So I'm I'm gonna try the caffeine pills and see how it works. Um, and I am a hammock camper, and I'll just defend my hammocks real quick. Uh, one well, one important note for this route is that it is hammock camping friendly for people who want to hammock camp. This area is known for its trees. It's heavily wooded in most parts. Um, I've never had an issue finding a place to hang my hammock. So um, for anybody who might be wanting to hammock camp, it is, uh, it's definitely hammock camping friendly. And, And Brennan, the thing that I will tell most people is that hammock camping, uh, is, is more challenging than people realize, like the, the way you hang it, how far away the trees are, the angle of the suspension ropes, and even how you sleep in a hammock is all different than one might think. And so you do kind of have to educate yourself a little bit. Like most people don't realize that in hammocks, you're actually supposed to sleep at them on the diagonal. So if you have like your sus- suspension straps, you're supposed to actually sleep a little bit at the diagonal. And what that does is it opens up the hammock and makes it more of a flat, uh, a flat surface to lie on versus what Brennan, you were describing where you kind of just roll up into a ball at the bottom. Um, so that's just a little tip on hammock camping, but it took me like many, many, many tries of hammock camping, uh, before I kind of got it right. Whereas tent camping is pretty straightforward. You find a flat piece of ground, you put your mat down and, and you're good to go. So anyway, just a thought on hammock camping. Um, oh, can I add one more thing? Like Please. tricks, That's, I guess. Like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like sleeping, but being more comfortable. I forgot to mention the maybe some people are also like taking just gels or bars, and like your stomach may get upset. I recommend carrying like antiacid pills uh, or just tums. Uh, I, I guess, like for me, having the race or like riding over 12 hours or so, it can be like my stomach get acidic, I guess, and then it's hard to eat sometimes. So, those would help if somebody has more sensitive stomach, I guess. I think, yeah, even oh. if you don't have a sensitive stomach, they're light, they're small. And yeah, it's, it's a, I always have those in my kind of emergency or my like medicine kit. Just, I usually mm-hmm. don't have stomach problems, but when you're just eating gas station food and you're doing crazy stuff with your body, your body's like, I don't know what to do. And, uh, they can, right. they can really save you. So I think that's a good tip. All right, Brendan, the, uh, this is the million dollar question, uh, tire size and tread ideal tire size and tread. Everybody's going to have a different opinion here. Um, but what are you going with Brendan? Um, so like I said earlier, last year I ran 2.6 mezcals. Um, I am not going to do that this year. I, I'm still up in the air. I'm either going to run 44 mezcals or 2.1 mezcals. Um, I'm probably going to go with the 2.1s just for a little extra cushion. Yeah. All right, Kuya. Uh, so last year I run 38. Uh, actually, 
Pathfinder. Uh, and I mean, I thought it was okay, but some sections I'm like, oh, I could go a little bit wider. So I'm going actually two mil wider. So it's going to be 40 mil. Uh, still pretty fast rolling. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, most of the part, as we say, like other than Sunday sections, I think it's just mainly like it's pretty hard packed. So I would say like you don't like, I mean, it also depends on like how much you're carrying, obviously, and you're, you know, how much you're loaded. But uh, yeah, I'm running probably, I'm definitely running 40 mil, but probably like maybe 20, 25 PSI or like pretty low pressure. What uh, what tire are you running? Do you know? Uh, it's Gateway something Pro. Uh, I guess I can pull it up later. Is it a is it a, a just a fast rolling like small tread? Yeah, it's pretty minimum tread, just a little bit. But unless, you know, like it has to check the weather, if it's raining or something, maybe I have to put something more knobby. But uh, yeah, it's pretty minimum tread. Okay. What do you got, Emily? So last year I wrote it on 42 Terrabelle Washburns. I would say, honestly, like they were a great choice, except for the sandy sections. Um, I would have appreciated a little bit more there. I currently have some uh, Pirelli Centrado 45s on. I put them on to bike pack in Big Ben. I'm not going to take them off because I hate swapping to the tires. And they're very tready, but I've actually bike packed on roads with them since. And they're pretty fast rolling, surprisingly. Much more than you would guess looking at them. Um, and I've just been loving riding them. So I'm planning to keep them on pretty much till I wear them out. Smart. Uh, I am running... Uh, when I do mine here in a couple of weeks, I don't know what the date is. It's like two weekends from now, but I'm running a 48 C on a 700 rim. Um, and I'm running the Oracle Ridge by Renee Hearse, um, which is a decently treaded, uh, tire. And I, I don't know, I'm, 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 I like the comfort personally. Um, I, I don't want to go much, much smaller. I'm, I'm definitely, I always prioritize comfort. Cause if you're, I think like if you're comfortable, you're a little happier. Um, if you're happier, you're going to be enjoying yourself have a better positive mental state and you'll just want to keep riding your bike, which is the whole point. And so I tend to err on the side of a little bit bigger tire. That's just my kind of go-to. Um, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Does anybody have any spooky nighttime encounters? Uh, yeah, Kuya, you're first. Any anything weird sure. happen in the night I besides have, like, getting couple, sleep deprived? Okay, <laughs> I like at night. Maybe like one was like four a.m. or something. There was like two police cars like on gravel ride, like chasing some like motorcyclist or like dirt moto guy from the, like, and then they passed me, and then like I didn't see them for like. 30 minutes or so, but I caught up to them and there was like guy who was like handcuffed, like, <laughs> like I don't know, without helmet, he just like crashed on the side. And then I guess that was so crazy, like police chase at night, I guess. Uh, so that's kind of spooky, I guess. And the other one was, was actually pretty cool was, I think it was like one or 2 AM. I saw a albino fox, like, run like across like in front of me like and then it run like for like 10 seconds or something in like kind of next to me so I was like oh that's cool and then people are like are you sure you weren't seeing something <laughs> <Not really. laughs> but you know 
it's real for me so you know <laughs> yeah but yeah definitely i wasn't like digging that deep at that point so i think it was real <laughs> i believe you i remember i think we talked about this on the episode that either that or we just talked about it at the bullet i remember hearing about yeah. that and i remember yeah. i asked you the same question because the other thing is yeah. like at night whenever you have your light on something everything kind of oh, looks yeah. white you yeah know? like moving like on the side yeah yeah but i trust you i believe it it's it's a rare rare thing that's super cool yeah. and and if you're scared of white things in the forest at night uh, that's certainly spooky. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Emily? Yeah, we, I rode until the first night I was like safely in my tent being comfy. Um, so nothing crazy. The second night we rode till maybe one or two in the morning before deciding to catch some sleep and nothing like nothing crazy happened. There were four of us, I think that had decided to keep rolling from Radcliffe uh, together. And we had a super chill, like really fun time. We did. I think I, I killed a light and we swapped lights around and we just, we had a great time. No, no albino foxes, sadly, or police chases. Either of those probably would have livened up the night, but uh, no, nothing. Yeah. That's just good adrenaline. You know, you're <laughs> for sure. It gets lonely out there. You kind of want some action every once in a while. What about you, Brandon? Um, nothing crazy. I just, I had a dog that, that I didn't see or hear until he was, almost in my spokes. Um, and I almost went over the handlebars, but that was about as eventful as it got for me. So the moon last year on the second night was really, really cool though. If anybody caught it, it was really pretty. Actually, everybody yeah. talked about this dog. It's like, just sits only like a foot or two, like right next on the shoulder. And then they'll wait till like you're right next to it. And then they come at you. Like, I think everybody had this experience. Yeah, yeah. We, did, we did have a dog on the way. I can't remember. Yeah. It was kind of right on the way into one of the towns. And he, he had good running started us. So here's my tip for anyone racing it this year. Just anytime you're doing night riding, I strongly recommend a, a helmet light. Um, because it's great to have a front light, but if you have a dog or anything to the left or the right of you, you cannot see it unless you have a headlamp on. And I've had the exact same experience when I did, um, the 500 mile grand gravel, uh, event, I had a pit bull, like, I mean, it was deathly quiet and just came right out at my heels, um, in the middle of the night. And luckily I did have a headlamp on so I could like see it, but it was a black one too. I mean, it was, it was ruthless. And so, uh, that's one of the tips, um, is, is a headlamp, especially if you're thinking about riding through the night. Um, just great for safety all around, being able to see whatever it is you need to look at. Uh, my only other story, and I've shared this on the podcast before, but I've had, I was looking for water at a church at like two, two thirty in the morning. And this old redneck coming home from, I assume the bar or his friend's house. I mean, he was clearly been drinking and, uh, he, he rolled up and pointed his headlights, uh, at me. I was at this church and I'm sure I look suspicious, right? Like I got a bike and I'm like, digging around a church kind of. And he was like, what are you doing here? And it was fine. I kind of just told him what I was doing. But my my thing is, is with those say, those uh, spot trackers that we have, um, I think they're great safety devices. I mean, obviously, if something happens, you can hit the button. But if you ever have an interaction with somebody that is a little sketchy, 
just have it ready, have it somewhere easily accessible. And if you need to, like, I've never had to say this, but I always felt like if I get into an altercation or a situation, I would be like, listen, man, this is a GPS unit. I pay a lot of money for it. If I hit this button, every single emergency service within like a radius is coming to get me. Everybody knows exactly where I am and they know what I'm doing. Um, So, you know, let's just tone this down a little bit, essentially. But um, just a tip if you're out there and things get a little weird, I think those are uh, great like it's a security blanket. It's a, it's a safety system that's in place and hopefully you don't have to press it. Um, but if you do, that's what it's there for. Pro tip. Yeah. It gets gets weird in the woods, man. You got to be ready. So the next question is about dogs. Uh, that's always a, a huge question. And, um, it's, it's an important question. It's, it's a reality you're going to deal with dogs. And so let's go around and I'd like to get each of your own personal, cause I, it's so funny, like on the same route, I get wildly different stories, um, in terms of some people be like, Oh, I didn't have any dogs chase me. And some people be like, I had a hundred dogs chase me. And so like, I don't know what's going on there, but let's go around and say, uh, what was your own personal relationship or, you know, uh, frequency with dog encounters and, and how do you deal with them when they do happen? Kuya, I think, is it Kuya or Emily that's, or uh, Brennan that's next? Brennan, maybe. I think Brennan, yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, honestly, the, just that one experience la- uh, last year at night was the only dog experience that I had. Um, I keep, uh, a dog bottle in my um uh, whatever the pouch is called that i have connected to my stem um in case i need to spray them in the face but that's i didn't see very many dogs this year personally okay what about you kuya uh i think maybe every 30 mile or so we have like probably dogs for at first like <laughs> a couple hundred or so i think uh, but uh i don't know i normally just like stay on the bike and keep paddling <laughs> that's <laughs> best way forward but i mean like it i mean texas we just get so many of those but here like out of state not used to this like texas dog chase uh just be ready like don't freak out and hit brake or anything just keep going <laughs> like forward you know they can run so fast so long so it's like yeah. if you do like 10 seconds effort they're done <laughs> yeah that's a good, yeah, good tip. If you got anything left on legs, and if you're not on a hill, because that's the problem, right? Is like, why do oh, yeah. dogs always show up when you're on an uphill with a fully <laughs> loaded bike and you're already tired? So, like, if you got the legs and you got the stamina, put in a little effort. What about you, Emily? What was your experience? I I like remember a couple. I mean, none that like none that have stuck with me a year later. But that's probably because, as Kuya said, it's so common out here in Texas that. I don't know. It just feels like a normal part of a ride at some point. Um, I will say that they do have a propensity for like waiting at the top of a hill for you. And you're like, this is the worst time. Why would you catch me here? Um, I would say they, they react pretty well to a shot of water to the face generally. But also I think in the time I've been riding here, I've gotten better at determining like friendly wants to play dog and like dogs trying to bite your ankle. I'm like, it's not worth wasting your tank on, you know, the guy whose tail's wagging a hundred beats a minute or whatever. Like he's just trying to look for a friend. So like, just say hello to him, tell him to go home and he'll probably be fine. But yeah, I mean, for sure there are some out there that are uh, taking nips and and those are the ones that are worth burning a match for or giving him some water. 
I, uh, yeah, I think what y'all said is probably important. It, this is so commonplace for, for Texas riding that I think a lot of us don't even think about it much. It just is part of, of riding in Texas. There are a decent amount of dogs. Um, most of them don't want to kill you. Most of them are going to be wagging their tails and, and all that kind of stuff. My personal, uh, how I deal with them is I, I do what Emily does is like, I'll actually like ride at them. If they're like on the side of the road, I ride directly at them and I'll yell at them and just say, go home, you know? And like, I'm the bigger, badder thing. And they're like, Whoa, what are you doing, man? And kind of, I scare them. Uh, they're trying to scare me. I'm like, no, I can play that game too. And, um, that works almost cause they're just freaked out. They're like, just, they'll just be like startled and stand there. And while they're doing that, I'm pedaling away and, 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 haven't really had any issues with them. And, um, so yeah, when I did the lowdown, I don't think we got chased by any dogs. Um, none that were like aggressive, you know? And so like, there were no dogs that stood out. I mean, there were dogs out there barking and stuff, but nothing, nothing crazy. So I don't want to scare anyone out there. I mean, they're out there, but you know, we haven't had anyone get bit, you know, this will be our third year to do it. We've had, 150 people ride the route and nobody's been bit. So pretty good track record so far. How do we charge our electronics? Uh, Kuya, we'll start with you. Um, sure. What's your strategy if you have one? If you only do it in 24 hours, maybe you don't have to charge yeah. anything. What? A- uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll carry extra just a cash battery, maybe 1,000 or 10,000, I guess, milliwatt, milliamp watts or whatever. Uh so I'm gonna carry one. I know, like, I actually like learned recently, like, oh yeah, you should like put your cell phone to like airplane mode so you don't waste like much battery so quickly, which I should learn like long, long ago. <laughs> but uh, because a lot of places, it just like cell signal is so weak. Like you're just having your cell phone all the time; it just dies pretty quickly. So that's, I guess, one. But other than that, you're doing overnight you probably only need to charge once or twice. I mean, and then also your GPS unit, uh, you have to charge, uh, which kind of like, so I guess like another tip for that is if you have, uh, I guess, means like just borrow somebody else's like GPS unit or something. So you have a backup. Uh, I only had carried one GPS unit last year and I actually like it got stuck after a mile, like, I don't know, 250 or something. I was on like, road so i was like keep going straight so i would like overshot uh maybe like a mile or so and then i had to turn around and get on the course uh so if i had you know just backup map or something uh it would be good to have uh did you uh so i recommend that everybody uh download for offline use on ride with gps um so you have that as a as a backup did you do that or so i had yeah, right with GPS. I don't I forget how I downloaded or I think it was like maybe like still using cell signal to get the data because I was like trying to check and then like but I was like on the map, I was like, I'm not sure where I am. And like so yeah, I think yeah, your recommendations right. Yeah. It should have some kind of backup in some kind of backup. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, Emily. Yeah, so last year I still didn't own a bike computer when I did this. Um, so I navigated entirely off of my phone, uh, works great as it turns out. So I now own Oahu and I have never tried to use it for more than 
eight or 10 hours at a time. So I don't, I don't know yet how I'm going to charge things. Uh, I'll try to figure that out on, on next weekend's adventure. Um, but if you are camping, I will say that Salmon Lake and Ratcliffe both have outlets in the bathrooms that you may use. Um, and otherwise power banks are your friend. Um, but I also did learn like what the difference between lights with pass-through charging and lights without it were last year on the slowdown. Like most lights you can't, you can't have them on and also charging, um, which I didn't know. That seemed like very common sense to me. Like your phone can be plugged in and also charge, or, you know, you can be using it and charging it, but it turns out that's not standard in bike lights. Um, so either like have a one that you can swap um, so you can charge one and use one or buy a very fancy expensive light that allows you to do pass-through charging. Yeah. Uh, very good tips. If yeah. And another reason to, uh, test your gear through the night, uh, before you go and, and just try it for the first time. But yeah, that's, that's solid. What about you, I Brendan? Guess, yeah. For like, sorry, oh. is that for yeah. Emily, like if you're using like any kind of GPS unit for over 12 hours like a lot of times like they want to crash or like reload or restart so just like if once they have enough like data on it so like so a lot of times it's good to like kind of save a segment and then i mean you want to have like one ride all continuous later but you can do that later so it's i would suggest like even some people even like load uh navigation like into two pieces segments yeah yeah. yeah, that's probably smart. That's what I, last year, that's what I had done. I was recording it all on my, actually, I think I recorded it all on my Garmin. I, mm. yeah, I didn't rent the spot tracker because I have a Garmin in reach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like recorded it separately and then was able to stitch it together on yeah. some free website. Um, but yeah, that's a yeah. good tip for you. Oh, Emily, I actually meant to ask you, I, I don't use a bike computer either. I just use my phone with Rywood GPS. I put it in lo low power mode and airplane mode, and um, I've had really good luck with that. Um, so you said you did that last year. Um, do you have a sense for like how many recharges you had to do on your phone? Um, did you have it just plugged into a power bank the whole time? Like what, what did you experience with that? Um, yeah, because I was camping, I did charge it overnight. I think one, the long, the day that we rode like whatever, 16 hours, I did have to plug it in midday, uh, or, you know, mid sort of midday, but I have like a really small power bank that has an integrated cord that fits in my little like top tube bag and plugs into my phone on the handlebar mount. So it's like super convenient. Everything stays exactly where it's supposed to be on the bike. Uh, and I can just charge and ride and navigate all at the same time. So I'm definitely going to keep that set up for this year just as a backup to the Wahoo. So if the Wahoo dies or I need to charge it or whatever, I'll have phone-based navigation and recording, which will be nice. Yeah, very cool. Brennan, what about you? Um, last year, I carried two 10,000 milliamp batteries, which was more than it was more than I ever needed um, to keep all my stuff charged. Um, you can run your, I, I run a Garmin and you can run it in, I think it's expedition mode, which kind of is like airplane mode for your phone where it turns the screen off and it only gives you prompts when you need to make a turn. Um, so that helps save. And then I also keep my phone uh, with the offline maps as redundancy in case my Garmin goes out or um, it sends me on the wrong path, which it's done in the past. Um but yeah, I mean, I honestly, I could get kit by probably with one 10,000 milliamp battery. That was more than enough to carry me all the way through. What about your like headlamp, your bike light, your taillights, all that stuff? 
Um, I actually, I carried, uh, I can't remember who, I think I got them on Amazon, but I've got these little tiny cube taillights that last forever. And I carried two of them, um, just so that I could have a taillight going at all time. Uh, I run, uh, Linzai, Linzai, is that how you say it? Um, headlight, which is definitely not passed through because it's run out on me, uh, <laughs> in the past. And then actually this year when I got, or today, when I got home from work, my brand new headlight or head helmet lamp uh was in the mailbox so i'm super psyched to set that up and have light on my head this year right on all right who's next for answering this one first i guess uh emily's next yes so uh what is more fun uh the race or the hoedown and the hoedown is the after party. So we got the slowdown, the showdown, and the hoedown, or the lowdown and the hoedown. We got it all. Uh, what's more fun? What, what did you enjoy more, the actual route or the hoedown? We've been waiting for you to create one called the bro-down. So uh, I, I'm surprised <laughs> to learn that this thing is called the hoedown. I am um, not doing the bro-down ever. <laughs> 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 I don't want that one. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure that I do either. um, nobody wants that that's too much (laughs) testosterone that doesn't sound fun at all (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna say i mean they were both fun i don't want to discredit either but i think like i had a a ton of fun riding the route i mean i came there to ride my bike i rode my bike and it was fantastic but the bullet girl puts on a really good party um and we had a super good time like when i finished that was the second best beer of my life maybe the first one being like the one i had on night one after my very first century um but yeah it was both of them are a good time but i think the 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 route is what you come for good answer they're all right answers uh no wrong answers here but i like it what about you brennan um so so since i technically missed the hoedown last year uh i mean other than everybody that was out in the parking lot afterwards uh the route is awesome. It's a ton of fun. I made a bunch of really good friends last year. Um, the camping after the hoedown is awesome at the Bullet Grill. So camp there. It's sweet. Yeah. If we have room for you. <laughs> if we if there's room for you. Yeah. That's a man, that's a whole nother deal. Is we went from a hundred to two hundred people and now finding a place for everyone to camp and the cars and everything. It's uh we're still trying to figure it out, yeah. to be honest with you. We don't, so don't don't ask me yet. I, I don't know. We're working on it. Um, anyway, I'll, I'm going to edit that out so everybody thinks I know exactly what I'm doing. Just, 100%. Yeah, I got this shit. Don't worry. Uh, what about you, Kuya? Kuya, you, you spent more time at the Bullet Grill than you did in racing last <laughs> yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, I got there like... Yeah, like pre-party, which was great. And, you know, it was like my first time trying it. So people were like giving advice and like what not to do, what to do. And I mean, like I was like very new. So I was like, you know, first time I was like putting like bags on the bike was like a night before and trying to load things. And I would never do it again (laughs) that way. And also like putting extra sealant night before my tire was flat when I woke up in the morning. Uh, <laughs> but I pumped it up and they held for 24 hours. So it's, it's, you know, I got lucky maybe, but, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I had, yeah. Great time. Like pre-party after party. And also, yeah, like waited for everybody to finish, I guess not everybody to finish, but most of the people to finish. And that's, was a lot of fun. Uh, 
I mean, I had to take a nap like after I finished, so I missed maybe some of the people like, you know, greeting some. But it's it's great location. Uh, you can see everybody like riding by, especially who is doing like a showdown. You get to see them, but then they have to do another whatever thirty miles or so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's great location i definitely enjoyed like you know connecting with people like outside of like because during the race it's i think i was like by myself after one hour of the race uh i didn't have anybody's interaction so it was great to kind of get all that like kind of like i can't intake it you know yeah that was one of my big things that i wanted to do was make sure that the route is short enough to where we can all even Brennan, you you basically made it. You were basically there. You were you were uh, you came right at the you came fashionably late, which is exactly how you want to arrive to a party. But um, but yeah, just like having an opportunity to like see other people come in, cheer other people on, and then like sit around and tell some stories and talk about the dogs and talk about the sand and talk about the rain that one year, but we're not ever having rain again. That was a one-time thing. We got it out of our system and we don't have to worry about that ever again. That's guaranteed. All right. I don't have any other questions. Uh, our guests or our uh, riders didn't have any other questions. So um, any other like closing thoughts? Did anybody have anything that they wanted to add? Um, otherwise, you can go eat dinner. What do you think? Sounds good. I think people shouldn't worry about it. Just, you know, ride it, have fun. <laughs> oh, Brennan's back. No, he's I feel not. Like I have questions for Kuya. <laughs> sure. What, what's your question? Yeah, ask a question. I, I love I it. I don't know what they are. I didn't have time to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the email, huh? I'm always available. So if no, you ever I know. have I'm questions. Like, I'm I'm like not worried about riding the distance I don't think like I'm I'm sure that somehow I will suffer through it even though it's like more than twice as long as I've ever ridden in a day but um yeah I don't know I'm like very interested I guess maybe after next week's night ride I'll have more questions because I, I think like there's so much that I have just like self-doubt about that I'm like what like am I Am I going to get in this mental place where I'm like, why have I done this to myself? Like, what in the world was I thinking? And I like, I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. So like, <laughs> then what? How do you get from there to like, and we're going to keep doing this anyway? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Yeah. That's you one you get to answer. That, <laughs> oh, right now? I'll take them. No, no. Well, I mean, you know, anytime. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Cool. Yeah, maybe like pre-game at the bullet grill. Pre-game at the bullet grill, you'll give me all your secrets. All right, good yeah. deal. <laughs> Brennan, are you there? No, he's not there. I'm I'm nervous. I'm doing uh I'm uh planning to do the four hundred. I'm with this concussion, I'm really like having to question like what makes sense. And I, I'm at least going to shoot for the 280 miles. I'd really like to do the 400, but as it gets closer, man, 400 miles is a long way. I don't care who you are, but like my goal is to, um, just ride. I'd like to knock out the first 200 miles in the first go. And just the longest I've ever ridden in one go is 190 miles. And so I'd really like to hit that 200 mile. And that's like really my only goal. I want to go 200 miles in one, one go of it. And then after that, it's just see what happens. But uh, my goals are to finish 
and to do 200 miles at one solid go and anything after that I'll I'll be happy with. Any closing thoughts Brennan if you're if you're even working if your internet's working? <laughs> uh i'm so sorry guys it's it's embarrassing um no i'm just excited to see everybody it's gonna be an awesome party it's gonna be an awesome time i'm like i'm pumped yeah i am too man this is a really good really good time uh i'm beyond uh just beyond like blown away by all the people that come because it would be stupid to just like if i'm just there it doesn't mean anything, but you know, we get 200 other people that are like jazzed up on the same thing. We have that shared experience and it's always, it's always so much fun. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it and I'm nervous all at the same time. Uh, getting up in front of like 200 people and like talking is like, I don't know. I mean, talking like right now is fine. Right. But like getting up in front of like 200 people, that's scary. Uh, Are we gonna me. all like fit in that space? You know, it's like we're <laughs> gonna be on the road. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna have to rope off the whole front of the parking lot and make a okay. right. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. We're gonna have to figure that out, man. The whole logistics yeah. for this year is gonna be different, and uh, we're gonna have like a check-in station. We're gonna try to be more dialed. We have this year. I think we have like eight volunteers, so we're we're trying. We're trying to like ramp up and like become like a real a real race. Um, so it's time to take the training wheels off and actually, uh, it's gone good. And honestly, it's been like intentional. Like I did 50 the first time, a hundred the next time, 200 the next time. And, and being able to learn the same way every time you ride it, you're learning. I mean, every time we host one of these, we're learning and figuring out how to do it better. And so every year, hopefully it'll be a little bit better um, than the year before. And I'm really excited. I'm super excited about it. I think we got a lot of great people are going to be there. Uh, and it's going to be fun to see what everybody does. Thank you all so much for uh, coming on. I, I genuinely appreciate um, y'all's input and your time coming and sharing uh, sharing your wisdom with the people out there. And look forward to seeing y'all all out there here in like 33 days. 33 days. Yeah, that's all I'm excited. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye, y'all. Thank y'all right, so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and a big shout out to our guest today, the East Texas Showdown professionals, Kuya, Brendan, and Emily for coming in, lending their expertise and, of course, their time. So as I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to address the participants of this year's East Texas Showdown going to go over a few things. Uh, first off, be sure to check your emails. Uh, Emily is doing a great job trying to get everybody organized uh, and get everything done so that when we go to registration, everything will run smoothly and we won't run into any hiccups. So be on the lookout for her emails. We're looking to finalize GPS tracker rental and registration. Uh, this year, we're using Map Progress. Uh, they have some really cool features with their tracking. And so we're going to give them a shot. I've heard good things, and I want to try something new. Uh, so we're looking forward to giving them a shot this year. The other thing that we're emailing out about is the rigs of East Texas Showdown. This is one of the most popular blog posts that we put on the website every year. It's so cool to see all the bikes. It's so cool to see all the setups. So there is an email that has already gone out. I think she sent out two emails about that already. The deadline to get those in is this Friday. So check 
your email, get all the instructions, get a picture taken and send that into us. We would love to feature your bike. We want to see it. Uh, we want to drool over it and, uh, yeah, send them to us, send us your damn bikes. All right, so let's talk about the routes. Uh, you know that we have three routes this year, the lowdown, slowdown, and showdown. Here's the deal. The lowdown and the slowdown routes are finalized. You can go to EastTexasShowdown.com. You can find the final route files. As far as I know, they will not change, so you can download those and put those in your bike computer with confidence. Um, if you're doing the showdown, I am going to have that route finalized at least a week before the event. I'm going to shoot for two weeks before the event, but uh, somewhere in that one week to two week time period, I'm going to have that one finalized. I'm like 99.9% .9 sure that it's good the way it is, uh, but I just need to check a couple little things. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get that one finalized. Basically, what I'm going to do is, uh, as I talked about on this episode is I'm planning to do an ITT um, a couple weeks prior to the actual East Texas showdown on the 400 mile route. And uh, I'm going to ground truth it myself uh, with me, my legs and my bicycle. This concussion I got really threw a wrench into my plans, uh, especially with training and getting behind and work and everything. And so I'm, I'm getting a little more nervous than I was, but we're going to give it a shot, see how it goes. So that's what's going on with the routes. Uh, next up, rules. Uh, I got a question about the rules, and maybe we didn't post it anywhere. Uh, so let's review the rules really quick. And since we have three different routes this year, there are different rules. So here's the deal. The showdown and the slowdown, the 280 and the 400-mile route, are traditional bike pack racing solo self-supported rules the same as the tour divide the same as azt the same as utah mixed epic uh it is solo self-supported do it yourself to put it simply well that is putting it simply but to elaborate on it a little bit that means no drafting no sharing tools, no sharing equipment, no having your significant other or friend come and camp with you one night to hang out and boost your spirits, whatever it is. Um, it is solo self-supported. Everything you do is on your own. If your bike, bike breaks, you fix it. If you're out of tubes, you hitchhike. Uh, that's the way it's going to go. Um, yeah, I hope that's pretty clear. And I apologize if we didn't do a good job of putting out the rules. Uh, and we'll do better next year. Now, the rules for the lowdown are different. The lowdown is a ride. It's not a race. Uh, you can do it any way you want to. You can share camping equipment with a partner. You can share tools. Um, you can draft. You can do whatever you want. Just go ride your damn bike. Uh, enjoy the what I hope will be good weather. I know the route's good. I rode it in October. It's a great route. You're going to love it. Um, but no rules, just good times on your bike. One more note on the lowdown. I mentioned it at the top of the episode, uh, but just want to remind everybody that Bikes or Death is going to be hosting a bikepacking party in the woods for all of the lowdown riders on Friday night. We are going to be at Ratcliffe, lake recreational area that friday night we have pine and plow that has donated some beer and we have uh ruby coffee has donated some coffee and uh we're gonna just hang out in the woods 
have a bonfire, shoot the shit, tell some lies, and have a good time. And uh, you don't have to make it to Ratcliffe. Um, we had... Ideally, we'd like to have three designated campsites where we have like three different parties, but we just weren't able to make it happen this year. So this year we have one campsite that's at Ratcliffe, which is that mile 76 on the route. So that is uh, almost exactly halfway marker. Um, again, that's not mandatory. Um, maybe that's a goal that you want to shoot for. You can camp wherever you want to, but if you want to join in the festivities, we're going to be there. And we've already reserved campsites. We think we have enough for everybody. We sent out a poll to all the lowdown participants, and we should have enough for everybody. And if we don't, we'll make room. We'll figure it out. All right. Next up is parking. We're getting a lot of questions about parking, and you know. Really, uh, we haven't completely figured out the parking situation. I've been working with Chris over at the Bullet Grill, and he's supposed to get me a parking plan. Last year, if you were there, we had a five-acre area that was cleared out behind the Bullet Grill. And so my thought right now is that we're going to be packing people into that back lot like sardines. Um, so if you're planning on camping, we're essentially going to give you a spot for your car and you can sleep in your car, you can sleep at the foot of your car, but you're basically going to have a small footprint to work with. And we're just going to slot in as many cars back there as we can. And then from there, we'll go overflow into the parking lot. And uh, I mean, we're, we're more than doubling from last year. And so it really is a learning on the job. I mean, we can come in with the best laid plans and it could go wrong. Uh, we really feel like we're going to be able to accommodate everybody there at the bullet but just be prepared to work with us. We'll have parking lot attendants and, and we'll try to help. We're going to figure it out as we go and we're going to pack you all in there. So uh, just be prepared to figure that out with us. And yeah, one way or another, we'll, we'll find a spot for you. Okay, one last note about the GPS rental and registration. Like I mentioned, if you haven't registered your device, if you haven't signed up with Map Progress yet, uh, please go ahead and do that. It'll make Emily not stress out as much. Uh, she likes things organized and taken care of and know that everything is done and that's her job and she's great at it. So help her out and get that done uh, if you would. And uh, so with the GPS, here's the deal. For the slowdown and the showdown, GPS tracking and map progress is required. For the lowdown, it's not required, but if you would like to, you can absolutely register a device and sign it up. The route is on map progress. The lowdown route is on there. So if you want to do it for fun or for safety, that option is available to you, but because it's just a ride, it's not mandatory. So that is at your own discretion. All right. Well, the last thing I wanted to touch on was the awards for this year. This was Emily's idea. I absolutely loved it. As soon as I heard it, I was like, yes, let's do it. So here's what we're going to do for the slowdown and the showdown. Well, for the showdown, we have sheriff's badges. Uh, so they say sheriff at the top, say East Texas showdown, and then the year, and they have a star in the middle and the, and the star is blank. And so I think it would be cool if like you could, you could like, engrave your time on there. So we have a gold, silver, and bronze 
sheriff badges for the top men and women showdown finishers, and we have deputy badges for the top men and women slowdown finishers. And we even will have probably some kind of induction ceremony or something like this. So I think we've born a new East Texas showdown tradition. I think we're going to start deputizing and uh, sheriffing. I don't know what that word is, uh, y'all. And uh, yeah, it gives you something to look forward to. If you get a deputy this year, next year, maybe you can be a sheriff. So good times at the East Texas Showdown. And uh, another fun one is Todd Nisbet. If you don't know Todd, he's always the most well-dressed. He knows how to come to a bike race in style. Well, he works at Stan Ray, um, which is a clothing company, and they are sponsoring a new award for this year, which is the Best Dressed. And this could go to anyone in any event. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Todd is going to figure it out. He is going to, and of course he, he's the only person that could do this. Todd is going to tell us who is the best dressed besides himself. He can't award it to himself. And they're going to win something from Stan Ray, which is cool. And uh, we also have some cool stuff coming with uh, the raffle prizes. So check this out. Womb Bikes last year gave away one kid bike to a parent that was racing in the event. This year, they are tripling their donation. And here's what we're going to do. We are giving one bike away to a mother who participates. We're giving another bike away to a father who participates. And then we're going to raffle off a whole nother bike from Womb. But wait, there's more. My new bike sponsor, Panorama, is also going to be donating a bike that we're going to raffle off. They're waiting on their inventory to figure out exactly what bike we're going to get, but they're going to be they're going to be uh, giving us a bike to raffle off, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We went hard on raffle items this year, and we got some great support from some great companies, and so it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to uh, giving away some bikes, man. How cool is that? So you can race this dang thing, and then you can come and maybe win yourself a brand new bike. All right. Well, I think I've chatted long enough. I'm sure I forgot some things, but you know how to get a hold of me. If you have any questions, we are getting down to the wire. We're going to be continuing to provide updates, uh, mostly through email. If you're registered for this year's event, make sure you're checking your emails. We'll try to post stuff on social media and stuff too, to make it more visible, but really uh, email is the best way. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, man, It's only 30 days away, so y'all better be training, all right? Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. Or merely folklore Fear turned into strength As you pushed further Every pedal stroke Stronger and firmer Your bike feels weightless Your legs aren't tired You think to yourself Just a few more miles Bikes Oh death Bikes Oh death